We are joined by our old friend Moshe Hill, political columnist. His blog is ahillwithaview.com. Moshe, thank you for joining us again. Thanks for having me back. It's certainly been an eventful week, and we'll get to the tweets, but first let's talk about some real issues, some substance. The media has not noticed, but President Trump has implemented a new border policy. Uh, what are your thoughts, and do you think it'll really have an impact? Well, I think that uh, any border policy is better than what we've been having until now. I think that the uh, that what's been going on has been atrocious. I think that what he did with Mexico was was good um, when he threatened them with tariffs. And I think this is this is also going to be a step in the positive direction. Um, as long as uh, the squad is out there, though, I think the media will be distracted, and I actually like that. I like the fact that it's flying under the radar. I said the same thing, and I don't call them the squad. I call them the cabal because squad is too generous a term. But you almost wonder. You almost wonder if there's a strategy there where, let me say, incendiary comments and let the media spend the entire week distracted while we implement this extremely tough border policy, which normally the media would have gone haywire over. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think that... uh... Uh, it's sometimes it's very easy for for Trump uh, Trump fans to say, oh, it's 4D chess, and he's doing that because I think that the I think Trump looks like a genius because the the overreactions by his opponents, his own his opponents get overreact so far that he just looks like a genius because he made them do that. How incredible is it? Trump would really want, in my opinion, to cut a deal with the Democrats on immigration, get some sort of broad sweeping bipartisan immigration reform. First, the border crisis was manufactured. Then they finally concede there's a border crisis, but it's Trump's fault. You know, the brutal conditions at the detention facilities, it's all Trump. And the Democrats are 100% to blame, in my opinion, for this mess. And the media gives them a total pass. You know, you wonder, will the country ever wake up and blame the Democrats who, who really have escaped a lot of the blame? Yeah, I think that the um, it, it's fairly obvious that Trump has been wanting to make a deal on the border for years now. In the beginning, and I think in 2018, early 2018, um, he had, they had a meeting with with Democrats and Republicans and trying to figure something out. He offered the Democrats uh, uh, a better uh, amnesty package for DACA recipients. Uh, better, he would have given amnesty to more people than Obama would have. He's made incredible offers that conservatives, people on the right. Um, have been very uh, upset with because, like, you're giving them too much. You're giving uh, away too much. And Democrats just haven't taken them up on it because every single time it says, we'll give you this, but we got to build a wall. And they, Democrats just won't do it. The Democrats will not build a wall because they do not want to give Trump the win. So, yeah, and it would look like a win for Trump. And I think Trump is, doesn't care, honestly, about um, giving uh, amnesty to a few million people, to be honest. I mean, and uh, if he can get a win that he could show his base saying, I built the wall and I was able to do this, because it, would, it wouldn't be a win. Because I think that there are a lot of people in on the right and in the center that basically who want um, to handle illegal immigration and want to, uh, are worried about it, understand that if there are between 10 and 20 million illegal immigrants in this country, we are not deporting 10 and 20 million people. So it, it's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. So if we can get a, um, a deal going to build a wall and we give amnesty to a few hundred thousand or a million people, then that's a trade-off that I think a lot of people on the right and in the center are willing to accept. Hey, you, you, know, you raise a really interesting point. And 
you know, you're right that a lot of Republicans, we've seen it before with Bush, a lot of Republicans would support amnesty for millions of Americans. They know that the deportation is unrealistic. You will certainly have conservatives like myself who will be very skeptical of that kind of deal. But ultimately, they would get it. And you have these Democrats essentially ignoring the potential of amnesty for millions of their constituents, really, or you know, their communities who they represent. And you do wonder, you know, the people are educated these days. If, if in November 2020, a lot of Hispanic voters will wake up and say, you know, the Democrats threw us under the bus. Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, by polling data that uh, Hispanics are, are in favor of a strong border. I think that uh, that the African-American view in the black community is is in favor of a strong border. Um, I think the only people that the only people that don't want a a strong border are wealthy, affluent coastal whites, that they are the ones who want an open border because it makes them feel better. It gives them um, uh, an opportunity to say that they uh, have virtue. There are virtue signaling to, to everyone saying, oh, we, we want an open border because of this. And that is who the Democrats, and those are the people who are on Twitter. And those are the people who the Democratic presidential candidates are pan- pandering to. And those are the people who, who uh, retweet everything that uh, uh, the, what did you call them? The, the cabal? Uh, <laughs> they, they retweet everything the cabal say. And so those are the people, it's, it's not the minorities that these, that the Democratic Party is speaking to and, and working towards. They're working towards little, upper middle class to wealthy young whites. That is, that's their constituency. And Moshe, let me be clear. You can use the term squad. You can call them, you know, some people call them stooges. <laughs> I, I don't want you to feel any pressure from me. Uh, we're, we're a very open type of situation here. But uh, yeah, you, you know, got to, it. To appreciate you catching on to the lingo. All right, let's talk about the, the census fiasco. Of course, the Supreme Court blocked the citizenship question. J- J- Chief Justice Roberts joined with the liberals. President Trump gave up the court battle under pressure from his lawyers who pretty much abandoned him, issued the executive order. What are your thoughts on that whole mess? So Chief Justice Roberts um, is basically a never-Trumper. He, his reasoning, I think, his, I believe, his, I'm, not, I'm not a lawyer. His, his legal reasoning was essentially, well, you didn't make a good enough argument. I, like, I don't really understand what that means. Like, he, he basically says... He basically said, yeah, it's acceptable to have a citizenship question on there, but you didn't make a good enough argument about it. And so, and I've been reading about a bunch of lawyers. I think Josh Hammer uh, on the Daily Wire breaks it down very well, uh, basically saying that according to the 14th Amendment, that the, the uh, president actually has to do this, like 14th Amendment Article 2, if I remember correctly. Um, the president basically has to do this. Um, it's, the crazy thing is that until 2010, from like the mid 19th century, like 1850 or something, until 2010, it wasn't a question; it was a section about your citizenship status. <laughs> like it wasn't, and so for some reason, it was not a. Uh, it's a controversy to put it on. It wasn't a controversy when Obama took it off. Like that's really what the controversy is. Why did Obama take it off in the first place? And right the. What, what I would believe, I think that it's, it's fairly obvious that when the census, the, the long-form census, uh, decides how many representatives states have, and based on population, and if illegal, uh, illegal immigrants or non-citizens, or even permanent uh, residents or legal residents or whatever, they, if they are in an area, if there's a large group of them in an area, then one district may get split into two districts. And now 
two, one blue district may now have two representatives going to Congress, and they will, what uh, and what party would those be representatives be part of? The Democrats. What party is saying, hey, to all the limits, hey, sanctuary cities, come to our city? Those are the Democrats. So Democrats are basically saying, come here, we'll count you in. Well, uh, you may not be able to vote yet, even though a lot of Democrats uh, want them to be able to vote at, at the very start in local elections, but working their way up probably state and then federal elections. But the, uh, they're saying, come on over here, we'll count you as part of our population, we'll get you representation, and then all of a sudden you have California, instead of having, what, the 40 uh, representatives they have, or however many there are, they'll have another 42, 43, 44, like, and they'll just repeat. Oh, yeah. Same thing with New York, same thing with New Jersey, same thing with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Washington and all these different states. And it's all about the money. It's all about the power. And you made the point, you know, Obama took it off the long form census. Others have pointed out when Obama did that, the Republicans didn't say a peep. And yet, you know, when President Trump wants to do the seemingly innocuous, you know, just putting it back on, the, the, the Democrats have fought this tooth and nail and have won on an issue that shouldn't have even been a, been a controversy. Yeah, it's, uh, I was very disappointed when uh, President Trump decided not to just do the executive order. He said they'll get the information in other ways, but uh, by using federal, federal data. But uh, I was disappointed he didn't continue this fight. I think this is a fight we could have won. I think this is a fight that would have, that, that when um, argued correctly to the public makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't think, and I think that they allowed the argument to be done on the Democrats' terms, which was this was a racist question because obviously all non-citizens are have to be of a particular race, which, by the way, is a racist thing because <laughs> immigrants come from all over the world. So I don't see why uh, that immigration has to be directly related to a skin color. But uh, this was a that this was a racist question, and that this was going to be used as a way for uh, ICE and the and and the immigration to basically deport millions of people. There was no evidence of that. There was no uh, there there was no facts about that. Uh, that was just it was pure conjecture, pure spin, and we didn't fight against it enough. And, and by the way, the majority of Hispanics and the majority of Blacks supported having a citizenship question on the census. All right, let's talk about the Green New Deal. Last week, uh, that's always fun. Last week, a statement was published in the Washington Post by AOC's chief of staff, essentially admitting that the Green New Deal was really a plot to take over the entire economy and really had nothing to do with the environment. Uh, what do you make of all that? Yeah, so I've been uh, spending a lot of time looking into Saikad Chakrabarty. That's AOC's. Uh, uh, you, I could staff. not pronounce that name. I literally have been stumbling over that name for the whole week. But all right, good job. <laughs> yeah, I know. I it took me a little bit too. I actually spoke uh, at a speech, and, I, and it, it was publicly speaking. And I think it was like the second or third time I said that loud. Listen, Moshe <laughs> is also a hard name. Like there are a lot of hard. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so Saikat Chakrabarty. Um, I hope I got that right. But uh, he is a co-founder of the Justice Democrats. He basically uh, uh, found, which basically found Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, vetted her, polished her, sent her out there. They led her campaign. He became her chief, her campaign chef and the uh, chief, uh, chief of staff. And uh, they basically co-wrote the Green New Deal. Um, the Green New Deal obviously was in was co-sponsored by a lot of presidential candidates, by over 100, 100 Democrats in the House. Um, ver various versions of the Green New Deal 
Who then refused are, to vote uh, for it when it came up for a vote, but yes. They, they, they refused to vote for it when it came up for a vote. Nancy Pelosi doesn't put it for a vote in the House um, because she knows it's a loser. Uh, various versions of it are, are being uh, done in, uh, in New York, definitely. I think in New Jersey. I think in, I think in Washington, Washington State. Um, and yeah, it was revealed. They said the quiet part out loud. And uh, they, it was revealed that it was essentially started as a massive economic restructuring because they don't like the way American capitalism works. They do not like the way that, uh, that they don't like the fact that, that uh, the American uh, market system has lifted 80% of the world population out of poverty, uh, that we have basically created a, a world where everybody, uh, a poor person has a refrigerator and a microwave and a car and a flat screen TV and a, and a, and a phone that has more computing power than, than the shuttle that went to the moon, which uh, happened 50 years ago. And like, it is, <laughs> they don't like that. They want to restructure the entire thing. And they think that if they brand it as an economic restructuring, it won't get any legs. But if they brand it as a climate, uh, a climate change uh, plan, then, oh, everyone's going to endorse it. And guess what? It worked because it's going to cost $93 trillion and it's going to do literally nothing to change the climate, to, to change uh, the, the global temperature in 100 years. Yeah, yeah I mean, just amazing. And it just goes to show you that all these Democrat, the radical Democrat policies, you know, Obamacare was a massive takeover of the healthcare industry, which is a huge chunk of the economy. You know, the, now the student loan uh, situation, and education, again, is another. They, they just find these chunks of the economy and just figure out ways to take them over and claim that they're on some kind of mission to help people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the, um, the free giveaways that, uh, that the Democrats are trying to do, that everyone's trying to out-free each other, um, <laughs> saying, oh, you got free this, oh, you got free that, you got free this. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, just another thing about Psychot Chakrabarty, I messed it up that time, um, that <laughs> he was pictured... He was pictured uh, a couple of weeks ago with a um, uh, an a Indian a national uh, Indian um, uh, guy who was going up against the British in uh, the late uh, 1930s, and who uh, he was wearing a big picture of him. He's obviously a hero. Is this a guy? Uh, I don't can't pronounce his name. Subhas Chandra Bose uh, was uh, basically in league with Hitler. So. <laughs> He, there's pictures of him. He was trying to work wow. with Hitler to overthrow the British in India. This is who Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's um, uh, chief of staff is. And, and what I mean, means, yeah. He basically wanted to work with uh, Nazi Germany and to get rid of British rule in India. I guess uh, the thankfully they went to, India went the Gandhi route as opposed to uh, his route. And, and what's amazing, you know, AOC and this Chakrabarti person, you know, they are socialists. This is who they are. This is what they stand for, whether they really believe it or it's just a power grab. But then you have Joe Biden, who's been a Democrat for half a century and a longer. And if I'm Joe Biden, I'm looking at them and I'm saying and I'm announcing publicly, listen, they're hijacking the party. These socialist anti-Semites have destroyed or are trying to destroy the Democrat Party, you know, that Joe Biden has been a part of for 50 years. He and he's he's instead of doing that, he's pandering to them, trying to get AOC's endorsement, which he's never going to get. And it, it just boggles the mind. 
Yeah, I don't know what's going on in Joe Biden's head. I think that uh, he is going a little nuts. He did uh, recently. He repeated the "If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor alive" <laughs> from, the, from the Obama time. Brilliant I, strategy. I, so he's obviously losing his mind. Um, but he um, he basically has flipped on a lot of things he's held for literally decades, including the Hyde Amendment, including uh, his policy on the borders on the border. Um, so he's just flipping and just trying to appeal to that left, left, left wing, um, who are once again, very popular on Twitter. I don't know if that translates into votes and he can't out left Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. He can't do it. So I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know why he's not trying to run up the middle. Um, but maybe he, he's going to try to move back to the middle if he wins the, the nomination. I mean, and, but the problem is that in this day and age, uh, your videos are forever. Your, uh, you know, everything, everyone knows what you're going to say during the primary season. So it's going to come back to bite you in the general. And I'm waiting for Joe Biden to pledge to, you know, close, close Guantanamo Bay <laughs> next. All right, we've got to talk about the Trump tweets, of course, uh, telling the cabal, presumably, to Go back where they came from. There's been an uproar. And then yesterday, the House passed this resolution condemning Trump's racist tweets. What are your thoughts on all of that? Well, I love how uh, the House can quickly pass a resolution condemning uh, Trump's racist tweets. I don't know why they didn't just condemn all hate. I mean, listen, do they, <laughs> do, do, uh, that, that must mean that they are uh, pro-anti-Semitism. That obviously must mean they are pro-Native um, American uh, hate and and hate against disabled people because I think that was all included in the uh, the the <laughs> resolution against Ilhan Omar, which became an all hate thing. Um, yeah, the Donald Trump's tweets. Um, I've been so back and forth when I first read them. First of all, I don't understand. It's obvi- it obviously wasn't the same slur. I'm not going to call it a racist slur because this uh, accusation. Everyone's like, oh, people for for years have been hearing, uh, minorities for years have been hearing, go back where you came from. But this wasn't something that was exclusive to a particular race. Or like the dual loyalty slur that, that Ilana Mars said is really exclusive to, to Jews. Like that's, that's been something that's been leveled at Jews more, more than any other, uh, I don't believe anyone else has been accused of that, but that happens uh, with, with Jews uh, throughout history. This particular slur, if you want to call it that, is um, basically something that was leveled at Irish uh, immigrants, Russian immigrants, um, and yes, uh, immigrants from from Africa, uh, descendants of, of African immigrants and, and and Asian immigrants, and all that kind of stuff. And this is this that would be a slur. So it's more of a xenophobic slur than a racist slur because if it covers every single race, it's not racist. So if you want to call it a point. xenophobic slur, that's one thing. But then also in the tweet thread. He literally says, and I want to, why, uh, what's it called? Get this exactly right. Uh, why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came, then come back and show us how it's done? I don't think that's the slur. <laughs> I don't think the slur is, oh, if you think you have great ideas, go back, help fix something that is broken, and then come back and show us how it's done. And that is, that is absolutely not the slur. So I think this was overblown as usual. And I think that Trump realizes he made the mistake. That's why he changed it to from go back to 
just leave, which is essentially the same thing. But I think that that's what he essentially meant. He said, just leave. And you all say that you, you have a lot of pride in your ethnicities. Uh, Ilhan Omar talks about how she's a Somalian American all the time. Uh, Rashida Tlaib talks about how she's a Palestinian American all the time. So obviously they have a connection to, to, to these uh, ethnicities. So that's what he was referring to. I have an ethnicities. Uh, I, I'm a descendant of uh, Poland and of uh, uh, Latvia and all these kind of things. I don't refer to myself that way. I don't refer to myself as Israeli American or a which I'm not. I'm not Israeli American. I'm Jewish, but I have nothing to do with Israel. I have nothing to do with Poland. I have nothing to do with with uh, Latvia. I so I don't refer to myself that way, and that's not something that would be leveled against me because if the, and if it was, it would be purely purely because I'm Jewish. But with these people, with uh, the, the, these four people, they constantly talk about where they are descended from. So I don't see why it was so out of line. Now, I understand that there's a lot of very sensitive people that like to take advantage of the situation. So everyone piles on uh, to, to Trump for this. But it's not, it was overblown just like everything else is overblown. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a large chunk of the country, according to the latest polls, you know, not only su- support Trump amongst Republicans, at least, but, uh, you know, they, they, they recognize now it's th- that the, the Democrats' att- racial attacks on Trump are clearly done for political purposes. And, and the Democrats and the media, they're obsessed with race. The racial rhetoric that comes from the left, it's, it's all over the place, you know, and, and the Republicans never mention it. I mean, you have AOC essentially accusing of Pelosi, Pelosi of being a racist and saying, but of course she's not a racist. Kamala Harris, I know you're not a racist Vice President Biden, but, you know, your policies affected black people. The Democrats are obsessed with the racial rhetoric much more than the Republicans. Absolutely. I actually uh, wrote an article earlier this week at hillofwithaview.com. Um, that basically talked about how the most racist rhetoric uh, of the weekend came from Ayanna Presley, who is a member of uh, this progressive group, the squad, the cabal, whatever. And uh, she essentially told black people, brown people, uh, uh, Muslim people, that if you do not speak about the topics that I want you to speak about, then you have no voice. You are not allowed to have a voice. She literally said... Uh, and once again, I'm wow. going to quote directly because I don't want to mess it up. She said, uh, if you're not prepared to come to that table and talk about like uh, the, the negotiating table, I represent that voice don't come because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. That This is what she said. She said this. And she's saying that if you are black and you do not speak on behalf of black issues, then you have no voice. That is insane. Wow. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Jewish guy. You're a Jewish guy. Have we spoken about Jewish issues? No, we're speaking about issues because issues, that's what we care about. We care about any issues. It doesn't matter. We do not let our, uh, our religion or our race or ethnicity or whatever you want to call it define what we talk about. But she says that. It's outrageous. Okay, I'll have to check out that article at hillwithaview.com. You come very well prepared, Moshe. You got the quotes. You know, you know how to pronounce uh, Chakrabarti. This is excellent job, as <laughs> always. And, and your, uh, your analysis, you know, is just spot on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, uh, hillwithaview.com. Political columnist Moshe Hill. I look forward to doing this again. Ah, thank you so much.